This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Monday, 21st of August, 2023. Uh, I'm clearly back uh, after three weeks of holiday. My brain may be still in Texas uh, dragging around a little bit next day or two, but I'll, I'll try to get through it here. Uh, should really mention that the last episode we put out before I went on holiday was the pre-recorded one with, with you and me on, on commodities outlook, and especially energy outlook. That was our thousandth episode, and we forgot to sort of celebrate that in sort of any official way. So uh, here we are in episode something at like 1,000, 9,000, 10, and uh, we should just say, hey, uh, thanks so much to all of our listeners for, for bearing with us over the last 1,000 episodes. It's a pretty pretty crazy number, guys. It, it is, and... Uh is it more than three years ago? Is it more than three years? Well, ago we were doing we something sort of similar to this prior to that, but it's a thousand with with our current host. Yeah. So it was it's worth celebrating a thousand here. It I, has I, been actually slightly more. But I, yeah. I remember when you when you came out to the desk and okay, guys, we're doing this podcast. I've already uh, paid for the subscription, and now we just get going. And I remember as well during the pandemic, we we kept it going. Or was it? It was just before, right? We started mm-hmm. before the it's pandemic. Worse. Yeah, solidly before. It was yeah, 2019. Exactly. And we kept it going through the pandemic, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it feels it feels pretty crazy that we have gone past a thousand episodes. I, I, I might put that on my CV. I don't think I'll ever get another thousand uh, episodes of the, of a podcast, but um, well, who knows? Who knows the future? Exactly. But uh, no, it's been impressive. So um, here we go. Glad we uh, we're here. <laughs> All right. All right, dipping into markets, uh, open your financial newspapers. Clearly, the focus here we have two things. We have a general. Uh, weak risk sentiment, very much linked to the rise in yields. And I'm sure you guys have been talking a lot about that over the last several episodes while I've been away. Um, and we're perched at those highs of the cycle in the 10-year U.S. yield. We'll talk about that in a moment. But as well, overnight, we have China, this whole issue dogging uh, the markets, especially in Asia, with uh, their policy response looking rather tepid compared to what we're used to from uh, from the U.S. and from past cycles out of China itself. So overnight, these uh, these rate decisions, so the five-year loan prime rate, it was left unchanged. So many were expecting a 15 basis point rate cut there. And then the one-year loan prime rate uh, was only cut 10 basis points rather than the 15 expected. Um, so there's just this, this sort of persistent feeling that they don't want to go in whole hog and sort of bail out this, especially the property-linked uh, parts of the economy and financial system. So we're really seeing uh, this dragging on this uh, renminbi as I look at in the FX slide in a moment. And uh, Peter, I sorted the equity market performance there on the one-week basis. Just an absolute sea of red for the for the one week and for the month to date. There, uh, it's been a pretty it's been a pretty ugly market uh, for the three weeks I was away. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the um, the the red thread here is the, the different themes we have talked about. So you have uh, the weakening of China that obviously has impacted the Chinese uh, consumer and technology basket and luxury, being part of the worst performance over the past week. The higher yields have impacted the bubble stocks, uh, our e-commerce, and then a lot of the green transformation-related uh, baskets. And that's because it's a very capital-intensive thing to do, this green transformation. So obviously, higher interest rates will just increase project costs for new uh, you know, offshore wind farms and, and renewable energy projects in general. So that, that, that's a key thing to, to keep track of. And one of the things, John, we talked about with, with China is that the thing that happened 
after the war in, in Ukraine, and we saw it in, in Russia and, and, and China is more increasingly becoming a little bit uninvestable at this point, and is that you know Russian companies don't have access to euro dollar markets any longer. A lot of Chinese companies, they, they don't have the same accessibility to euro dollar markets issuing uh, credit and bonds. And if you're going to do a big restructuring in China and, and Clock Tower, the uh, independent research, I put a number out there last week, uh, a trillion dollar, a trillion dollars of doing a restructuring of the shadow banking system, where are you going to find that capital? Because you also have a private sector in China that is really, you know, increasing their savings rate and holding back, uh, you know, adding to their cash balances. So where are they going to get the capital to 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 do this restructuring? Is that by selling treasuries? Because if, if you have a weak domestic market, capital market, you can't tap into your dollar market, you're going to find the capital somewhere. Yeah, dollar funding is a huge issue for those companies if that's what's holding them back and from the whole system from from finding new funding. So uh, a really critical question here. Um, yeah, yeah, for, for the ability of China to dig itself or the, or the uh, desire to, you know, and you could sort of fairly make the observation that it's an over-leveraged system that needs to be deleveraging. And deleveraging is just not not pleasant. It no, just no. takes a while to, to get through. So maybe it's the wise uh, policy choice. Time will tell. But uh, in the meantime, you're you're bringing up on slide three there. Uh, you're noting there's some uh, some sector rotation going on here in this uh, in this equity market. Yeah, it's um, Steen and I talked about this uh, this time series quite a bit uh, last week at the at the desk, and it's also one of those that I highlighted in my equity note when I wrote a follow up piece on on uh, stagflation, how that relates to equity returns, and you know our analysis uh, showed that. It, most likely, it's the defensive sectors that are going to be the best performing in a stagflationary envi- type environment uh, with the cyclicals being sold off. And what we're seeing right now is a, is a cycle that started late last year that ended in July. And we're sort of rolling over here with the cyclical sectors being uh, being sold off and uh, and values of defensive sectors being bid. And the defensive sectors for uh, new listeners or those that didn't pay attention last week when I talked was you know utilities, consumer stables, healthcare, and, and energy. Those four sectors are the defensive sectors. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the energy sector in this podcast because a lot of things are brewing uh, in that place. All right. And then on the rates, just in May, you have to have your rates on your screen. U.S. Treasury yields have to note that that U.S. 10-year here poised at the highs of the cycle, above 4.25%. Uh, I put that on slide four. Then I put it together with the, uh, the yield curve uh, slope for the 210s. And you can see that we've the general regime since uh, you know early 2022 is that as yields go higher, the slope uh, flattens and even inverts. It's a bit unusual to see the this you know persistence uh, over time of this rising long of these rising long yields together with the U.S. yield curve uh, steepening. So just this uh, bear steepener, I think, is the most sort of painful setup here for this market. Uh, you know, the one that the positioning is least well prepared for, and certainly the equity market will not appreciate. If we are headed towards what Bank of America considered possible in a, in a big strategy piece out recently, uh, a move towards five percent in the longer uh, yields here. So uh, while the sort of the, the front end is you know it's it's moving directionally in sympathy with the, the longer end, the Fed is seen as largely uh, flat here for the near term, and it's about pricing and what are they doing rate cuts based on uh, incoming recession, which uh, seems to be rather painfully slow in in coming so far. But um, yeah, we have some leading indicators indicating it's on its way. Uh, but these higher long yields, I think, are the, the really critical point here for this market. Uh, and then and on that note, uh, or you've pulled in your your weekly roundup of positioning uh, in the U.S. Treasury market and what that looks like here. And you've got a, an overview here on slide five. Yes, indeed. And uh, it, it's normally not one uh, watch that closely simply because uh, for every long there is a short. And what we're just seeing right now is that there's an extreme 
extension in both directions. So uh, we have a record short position uh, across the curve, especially at the the ultra long end, uh, which is T bonds and T bond ultras, and um, and vice versa. That that long that short is being held, or the or the equivalent long is being held by asset managers. So, um, but it just indicates how how the the, the market is, is building, continues to build up, and uh, right now the the basis point value of just of one yield uh, base point change is uh, clo- approaching 100 million dollars. Uh, that's the kind of position they're holding in uh, the leverage funds are holding in across the long end. So it's it's really quite quite extensive at this stage, and and does obviously point to the belief that the uh, rates will uh, will go even higher. All right, and then on the FX market, uh, as noted, with that Chinese policy move, we see the um, the Chinese renminbi weakening. Dollar C and H back above 7.30 and and quite you know solidly above that. We have to look back at uh, the October 22 level, um, October 2022 level, which was at 7.3750. So it's always interesting when China allows this exchange rate to move to new extremes. So if it's moving above that, it suggests that they're allowing it to do so. Uh, do they put up any resistance uh, to to that move would be a key question for the outlook, uh, both for the dollar but also for Asian currencies. You can see on the FX board overview there the weakness in the Aussie uh, and the Kiwi. Uh, arguably also traditionally somewhat cyclically and risk-sensitive uh, linked, but they're very, very weak, and clearly some of that has to be on uh, the linkage into commodities, and especially China. Uh, Sterling, the the sort of odd strength here, I think, uh, to my mind, odd strength, because structurally I don't think the UK has much to offer, but it has it does have uh, anticipation of further central bank tightening to offer to the tune of some 75 basis points at a time when the Fed is seen as rolling over and cutting. So uh, until that's proven false, the sterling has been pr- pretty well supported here. A dollar quite strong, obviously. But uh, then back to the positioning. Uh, so there's always interesting to, to round up what's going on positioning-wise. Anything you're picking out in this uh, last weekly roundup uh, and cut report? Well, just as I write here on slide seven, it's uh, the the exodus that we've seen recently, primarily in metals and energy, also uh, to a certain extent sp- spread to uh, the energy sector last week. So um Last year, there was a re- reduction in um, of equivalent of ten billion dollars. Uh, it's worth mentioning that uh, half of that notional value is comes from uh, from gold, where we are selling a, a continued for I think third or fourth week, down forty percent. And uh, as we highlighted recently, the 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 reason for holding gold and silver and platinum right now is 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 the long term reason is probably still good, but the short term uh, challenge uh, with these rising yields is a big challenge because the similar the money market rates are, are making it quite costly to uh, to sit on a position where you may not believe that it will perform in the, in the short term at least. What we're seeing as well is um, the the agricultural space losing altitude as we uh, approach the harvest season. We get more; it becomes clearer and clearer that the outlook is not going to be as bad as we uh, we we feared early in the season. And then also on on the, if we look at the energy, and that's uh, also taking us over to slide eight that the. The, the, the driving force behind the strength in the energy sector right now is obviously apart from what we're seeing in gas market where we, we saw another spike over today in, in Europe uh, due to strike action or worries about strike actions at LNG plants in Australia. It is the product market that's, uh, that's, that, that remains very tight. We can see that on, on, uh, on slide, uh, slide eight where I just put in the price of, of uh, diesel in New York and Europe um, converted to dollars per barrel, and you can see while Brent is uh, hovering around these uh, mid 80s, uh, um, we still we have um, diesel prices uh, trading closer to 130 dollars a barrel, and that's really also where some of the price pressures uh, from the energy sector is coming in, and it's driven by uh, the supply cuts that's uh, keeping these markets, uh, production cuts that keep these markets tight, 
and they will probably continue to do so until we have the until we see a change in the uh, in the stance from Saudi Arabia which is keeping barrels away from the market right now all right <clears throat> we, it's a big week here uh, this week um, not so much macro data wise uh, uh, Peter but there's a huge company reporting and, and, and one that that really you know it's been the huge focus of the market this year and that's uh, Nvidia I'm sure you've talked about it before, but on your stocks to watch today, and that's later this week, and, and you'll get to a roundup on the, the timing of these earnings reports. But what's your focus uh, in this market otherwise? Yeah, I think the with everything that Will just said about what's happening in the energy markets, I think the energy sector will be in focus today and the days uh, ahead. Um, so watch the oil and gas majors, LNG carriers, uh, etc. That the whole complex there is is, uh, is is gearing up in terms of energy. And then Adian, we talked about it, uh, last week, the one of the at one point one of the fastest growing European payments companies was you know what, thought as being the technological leader in in the payments industry, but the competition has has heated up. And as you noted eloquently, John, this morning, I don't you know, know if it was eloquently. No, no, you, <laughs> I just doubt said, that. you just said um, how can you be a high margin? How can they all be high margin businesses? Basically, these payments companies within just a simple transaction. It's, of just, it's just so mundane the business to me. I, I yeah, don't get exactly. It. I mean, of course, there is some. There's some infrastructure you need to build and you need to hook up, et cetera. But I mean, with all these payments companies out there, I mean, yeah. And and the, the thing is with ADN was that they, they spend too much money. They they increase wages and hiring in, especially in the in their US business a lot. And what what ha- the reason why for the you know, the sale uh, sorry, the sell off was so dramatic was that you know, you had this you have this very, very big miss. And then instead of the CEO going on TV, you send the CFO coming with all sorts of uh, lame excuses for what was ha- what, what happened and saying, oh, we're just investing for the medium and long term. And it, it, it almost felt like, you know, a brooded, uh, uh, a bruised uh, trader. You know, you, you, you trade short term until it fails and then suddenly you're a long term investor, right? It, it, <laughs> it, and I think it really in those type of situations, as an investor, I prefer the management to just just tell it as it is. Okay, we made a huge mistake. We're listening to what the market is saying, and I think you're you're running a critical a critical thing here when when you're not when you're not acknowledging what the market is trying to tell you. And Adian shares down again this Monday morning. So watch that. And then earnings to watch slide ten. Zoom video is the focus today. Um, growth have come to a grinding halt in nominal terms. So in real terms, this is really looking ugly. 1.1 billion in sales expected for the quarter that ended July. That's a 1% growth on the uh, on the top line there. So, um, well, the whole tailwind from the pandemic and work from home has certainly come to unhold. And also with Microsoft, I think I remember we having a lot of conversations during the pandemic about this, John. That you know, when Microsoft entered this video conferencing software with their very broad distribution, why would there even be a place for for Zoom? But you know. Some maybe smaller companies prefer to not be entangled too much with the Microsoft mm. ecosystem. So of course there is a room for a company like Zoom, but it's just it's not going to grow into into the heaven of uh, of uh, of software companies at, at this point. And then tonight at twenty two thirty GMT, we'll have BHP Group reporting their uh, half year result, and then um, with the falling commodity prices from a year ago, just like we have seen from the rest of the uh, the industry, Glencoe, etc. We expect, of course, uh, profitability to be uh, down from a year ago. And then looking a little bit ahead uh, for the week, I'm really looking forward to see Anta Sports is the, the equivalent of Nike in China. So with the whole focus on the consumer sector there, I think that's that's really one of the one of the ones to watch there. And then, of course, the big one on Wednesday, NVIDIA and Snowflake, part of our AI uh, list and group of stocks that we track. 
both are reporting after the US market closing, especially Nvidia. I mean, I've been arguing based on my analysis and from from um, from you know information on the on their geographical revenue split, which you can find very deep in SEC filings. Um, that it is predominantly China uh, Chinese companies that are driving the marginal demand here for Nvidia and um, a lot of the technology companies in China being forced uh, as a lot of the national drum up from the government to to get uh, to catch up with the US technology sector so and Reuters had this piece a couple of weeks ago that some of the five largest technology companies have spent more than five billion dollars and really afraid that this window will close from the Biden administration that they will somehow you know they won't look uh, you know, too nicely at what they what Nvidia have done with these small notification uh, modifications to the, the two GPUs that they are selling into China. So watch that because the positive scenario is that there is a structural demand shift for AI and the hype is real. The bad case is that the, there is a little bit of hype. It doesn't mean a big structural shift in demand and it's only driven by a, a catch-up effect from Chinese technology companies. And so it's all about that outlook. Right. Really <clears throat> very interesting one there. And whether we even get an answer to, to those questions this week or if it's not, or yeah, it's not until next quarter or the quarter after that. So, uh, key stuff there. You mentioned, somebody mentioned earlier price drops. And uh, there was German PPI data out this morning showing a minus 6% year on year PPI. But you have to remember the base effects when last year we were galloping higher. It's something like a 45% clip was the peak. It was either in August or September of last year. So we need to get clear that this crazy war spike, post-war breakout spike, uh, and especially energy and electricity prices in Europe before we have a sense of, of what, where prices uh, are headed here. But if we look at the week ahead on the economic calendar, as you can see on slide 11, not a whole lot to write home about, uh, but we do get the, the preliminary PMIs uh, out, of, uh, out of Europe and out of the UK and US on Wednesday. So those could be interesting for developments, uh, whether we're seeing a worsening or a stabilization, et cetera. Uh, but uh, the key focus really is going to be on this Jackson Hole Conference or Symposium, as it's officially called, starting on Friday with the title of Structural Shifts uh, in the Global Economy. What the heck does that mean? It sounds very general, but I suspect something along the lines of, or between the lines of, what the heck is the central bank's role in an era of fiscal dominance? And when you have this very unsustainable debt trajectory, that is some. Those are the urgent questions facing our financial system and our economy. Uh, you know, going forward from here in a way that has not been the case in prior cycles. So interesting to see how that's touched upon by uh, the Fed, if the language is more direct, or if it's sort of a, uh, you know, sort of hinted at with some sort of, some some you know, very vague language. Uh, very, but a very critical uh, Fed conference, and as we are at this very critical inflection point as Fed rates have likely peaked, and how long will they stay here, what is the next step, et cetera. So key one there, have it on your radar, and we'll, of course, digest it as we as we see what crosses the wires. We also have a BRICS Summit. We're downplaying that one, but we'll talk about that more in other podcasts this week. For now, that's a wrap. We'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.